Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for His church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are so blessed and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us and pray that in some way you will be blessed by our conversation. I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Eric Moran. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, brother. How about yourself? I am. I'm good. You know, back hurts a little bit, but that's fine. We're going to suffer through it. And uh, today on uh, the subject, on the tension, is salvation and discipleship in right relationship. So usually they have these two different pillars here, and we're going to try to put them together and find the truth inside of that, because I feel like this one's sort of like a, it's a lost art in a sense on some in some churches. I mean, would that be fair to say? Like, there's not really a good distinction between the two of them. I mean, I, there's a lot of, you hear way more about salvation than you do about discipleship in the current day and age. And even with that, I would even say they're juxtaposed each other to where some people believe you can be saved without the lordship of Christ, and then others say the only way that you could understand the lordship of Christ is to enter unto salvation, which is the door into that relationship. So when when you start to look at those two things, it's a great opportunity for people to send in questions, to send in where they may be at. Um, however, the Word of God and the way that Christ saw it teaching to his disciples, they died unto the message that he left. So salvation unto them led to death. Mm-hmm. Um, death of self to be able to lay down the things that they thought were important and to stop judging each other from different walks of life, to be able to be called into a mission of the rest of the time that they had here to share with others an invitation that no one deserved. Today, um, inside of, especially where we live, inside of you know, the, the individualistic Western culture of I and me and Jesus died for me, um, it's it's a good conversation because salvation in that re- in that respect is my salvation. And according to scripture, there's no such thing as your salvation. So it's not in, in scripture. It's not so personalized the way that we make it now. Like, cause there's a, you know, my Jesus, but at the same time too, like there is in Psalm, David talks about, you know, my Lord, my God, all those, all those things. I, not to get off chasing too many rabbits there, but like, what would be your stance on that? Like on the, you know, like you just said, my salvation or. So something I I want everyone to hear is in the old Testament, they were looking forward to the plan of God. So David, when he's writing the Psalms is writing, I see it this way. And who am I that you would ever think of me? And I need a savior. Now, when the savior came, the savior said that I came for all of my children and I came for my father's name. And, I came for all us and we, not I and me. So understanding that bridge or understanding that mediation, it was the one leading into the many so that the many can lead others into the one, if that makes sense. I mean, so today we would look back in the finished work of Christ and say, who are we that you would ever think of us? Whereas in David's heart cry is, here I am, your chosen king to sit on the throne but i may be called lord but you're my lord and who am i to sit at your right hand side and the heart after god you know the 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 heart that was after god was the one that understood that 
all is all is grace. I mean, even inside of his struggle, even inside of his failures, David always returned to the fact that he was lacking. Well, do you think? Do you think now? Like, it kind of just came to my mind right there. Do you think that it's because there's such an emphasis made on eyes because they're in an Eastern collective? Kind of calling back to the you know previous episode a little bit there, but like, and because we talked about the difference between the Eastern collective and the individual Western. But over here, we're 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 bred inside of the individualistic culture. So, to me, it almost sounds like to get into the we as a collective is to get into more of the the mind of the original the original audience. You know who the Bible was written to because it was not written to us; it was written for us. But when we look inside of that, David is basically saying, "I may be the king." of Israel, but it's about God and it's about God and his people. It's not just about me. Now, don't get me wrong. Who am I that you would save me? But it's about us as a, as a group, not an individual. So do you, I think it's kind of interesting that to see that parallel there for a minute now that we just kind of hit up, hit upon it and we didn't like prepare that at all. It's just sort of like a spur of the moment question. So it may be like really jumbled in how I'm asking, but the way you put it made me kind of made things like go off in my head. And I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder, let me ask real fast. So I'm just curious. So one-on-one, if I get the opportunity to, to, to sit down and share with someone and maybe they profess to be a Christian, maybe they profess to have never gone to church and don't know anything about what I'm talking about. And, you know, when you say God, you may have to really go all the way back to Genesis one and build yourself forward. But I guess my bread and butter is the first the main thing that I see the New Testament, Jesus Christ teaching us that wasn't available before his word is the Trinity. Now, the word Trinity is not in your scripture. The Trinity is something that was built moving forward. Um, I'm, I'm willing to enter into a conversation with all of that. However, the design, the design of God that can never fail because it's God's design can then be applied to the truth of his word, the truth of your life, the truth that we come in contact with. So. When we look at the fam, well, when we look at when we look at God, there's three persons: Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but one God. Yes, all equally God, mm-hmm. but in right relationship. Yes. All right. So when we when we take that premise and we say, okay, there's one family which the world and the flesh and the devil has tried to tear down. There's the husband, mm-hmm. which according to the throne of God will be responsible for the authority of his home. There's the wife that is the unconditional love that the children are birth through the father and the mother to go change the world. So the sovereignty and the authority of the father, the unconditional love by her, through her, for her, to her, then sent into the world to make a family, whether son or daughter, inside of that design is the organic growth of God. Okay, so if we keep going backwards and we look at David and we say David was the king that was the forerunner of look at my Lord and his Lord. You have God the king, I mean, God as God, the king as the unconditional love, the one that God has sent to be his vassal or his viceroy. So he is the one that the people are birthed through and for and to and by. So in David, in an honor and shame culture, does the things that David does. It's not necessarily about the things we think of as a Western individualist holding him against the Ten Commandments like he's going to stand before a judge. It is David in right relationship of the covenant standing in front of God 
for all the things that he's expected to share with the citizens so that they can go out and make more and more of the kingdom with God being primary, the king being the, the, the voice of one that has laid his life down to be an image bearer of said God inside of his family. There, there's, there's so much there that went without being said today that we have to go back and, and, and really, 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 really evaluate before we can move forward with clear cut. How does this apply? And even with that, it's because that was the way it was back then doesn't right. necessarily that's where mean that's where we start. Right. But where we start has to at least respect or honor where we've come from with where right. we are to where where we are only matters because of where we came from and where mm-hmm. we came from only matters because of where we are. But ultimately, both of those only matter because of the eternal truth of who God is. And when you bring it in a community, you bring it into those three things, you're, you're, you're starting to tap on, okay, so I can think this and be wrong. But if I'm wrong, <laughs> then I get to be thankful that God's showing me something that I'm wrong about. Right. So then I get to worship when I'm wrong, which makes me a worshiping machine, which means to repent is a good thing, which means all of a sudden I get to go to God instead of run away from God with right. my failures. But praise God for the things that he's showing me because, no, I argued with him. I didn't agree with it either. Let me tell you about how this came about. But Mm. it's not somebody else told me, and let me tell you what somebody else told me. It's something you get to actually be part of, get to actually be in truth and tension, fleshing your faith out, being alive inside of this message. It's not just something you read. It's something that is alive every day. Oh, okay. Well, I was just curious there, but I guess we'll get on to the— the first thing that I was wondering, and this is, you know, all these questions kind of come from a place trying to bridge the gap for, you know, a deeper conversation about a lot of things. So what I'm curious about is, is that salvation doesn't mean discipleship, but discipleship can be evidence of salvation. Um, obviously, these depend on who is your master. But why are these two subjects not a major staple of most common preaching today like they are in Scripture? Because I see, I mean, Christ is real, is is really, really hammers in discipleship. I mean, go to the Great Commission. Um, if you do not do this practice, you can't be my disciple. He doesn't say you can't be saved. He says you can't be my disciple. He's making a distinct difference between the two. But yet, nowadays, it's, I mean, it's it's sad because I've gone, you know, to church leaders before and asked them what, you know, what is discipleship? How do we focus on it more? You know, what does it look like? Could you explain it to me? And I've gotten a lot of long pauses and, you know, shrugging shoulders, which is kind of discouraging. But at the same time, too, like if we're supposed to be growing and learning, then we need to know and when you have people coming to ask ask questions and they're not being answered or they can't be pointed in the right direction, you leave them to aimlessly wander about and that doesn't that doesn't bode over so well. I mean, we see that in in Exodus, them going around and around in circles because well, really their disobedience, I think, more than anything. And the thing we gotta understand with Exodus is it was brand new to them. Um they got removed from the world, the flesh That's and the true. devil being, you know, Pharaoh and Egypt and the conditions that they had grown comfortable with, and they find themselves in the Exodus, which is hard and narrow and straight. Imagine that. Yeah. And sounds and, familiar. Well, and then it, it's not just them. It's for you to find out that for you to get free from the consumerism and the things that you think matter in this world, especially where we grow up inside of the Western individualistic culture, is 
start realizing that you have been called to something different. Without chasing that rabbit, we all love the scripture over in Romans 8, which is Paul's kind of like, you know, most cleaned Romans. up, yeah, most cleaned yeah. up option of, of, of us to go to. And, and over here, we love this verse that says, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. And we're like, yeah, I mean, that's a win right there. <laughs> yeah, right? All man. I got to do is love yeah. him. And, okay, but he didn't say all those that love me for themselves are going to work out for good. It says, no, no, those that have actually loved me, all things are going to work for good, which good and evil means working for the function for which they were created or evil mm-hmm. being working for the function for which they were not created. So when you fall in love with God for the very first time through the door opened up by the obedience and way of Jesus Christ, we've now entered into this relationship according to his purpose. But this is, is what he says. I, I not only foreknew you, and I, I also predestined you, and that would be a whole nother podcast to, to confirm you to this. This is what you're going to be conformed to, which is the image of his son. All right, so to be Christ-like, what is that going to look like? He does not hesitate. He keeps going, and it says, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that, he might be the firstborn among many brothers, which means we lift him up as the one that has invited us into this relationship. Amen. But he, he does not become God. Mm. He becomes our co-heir, our brother, the, the one that is like us, but yet different than us. 100% like us and 100% different than us to become that mediator that we needed to make things right. Whom he predestined, he also called. So many are called, few are saved. All right, so we're, we're back to that. Okay, so when you go to church and you hear the proclamation of the good news, it was cast unto the many. And, right. and as believers, you're called, to, as you are going, mm-hmm. wash people with the overflow of what's going in your heart, regardless of their race or their nation. Right. All right, and, and inside of that, you would start to teach them what God holds you accountable to. So if mm. you're not doing it, don't bring it up because it's That's supposed good. to be what it's taught to you. Right. But I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're no longer alone. You can actually know why you're here. And there's these promises that become vitally true to the believer. However, it says right there that you would be called by God because you are justified. All right. So justified is means justification through what God has done that you didn't deserve. So through grace, you have been saved if you can put your faith inside of what he's done instead of yourself. So when you run into a lot of religious people, they're putting faith inside of what they've done or what they've chosen, and that's not the design here in Romans 8, which, once again, becomes one of the main breakers. But either way, it says that when you put your trust in him, the justification then would lead to sanctification, that would lead to glorification, because nothing can separate you from it. So the sanctification becomes the issue. I mean, salvation, if we're talking about salvation being justification, justification is... Just as if I didn't sin is the simplistic way that people will say that. All right. right. So you've been stamped just as if you didn't do it through the blood and obedience and love of Jesus, the Messiah. Hmm. But Jesus says, I am the way, meaning the journey of life. Mm -hmm. I am the truth, not abolishing, but fulfilling everything that the Father has said because his word is truth. Right. And I am going to allow the life of God to flow from the Father through me to you the same way that I received it, which is the Holy Spirit, the power of God that flew through or flowed through Jesus Christ, the same 
spirit that raised him from the grave is the same spirit that he has sent unto you that is supposed to renew your mind. Now, when that takes place, you have to move into discipleship. And this is where the church has, has, has struggled because, I mean, even inside of Luke 14, if you want to go to it and it says, hey, you've got to hate your mother and your brother and your, your you know, you have to hate your mother, your brother, your wife, your sister, and even your own life. So basically that just means you have to hate every person that you know intention to knowing God. So it doesn't mean like necessarily you have to hate them. It says that compared to the perfection that God would yearn for you, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, and even yourself, you should hate the condition that you find everyone around you mm, in. That's good. Because, and, and once again, these are words from another person. I can't remember who it was that I read just the other day, but he says, if you put anything in front of anyone in front of your love of God, they will not only fail you, but they will turn around and destroy you mm. because you've placed them in a place that only God can have. And if you place them in a place where they can take advantage of you, it's a temptation that you will feel the consequences of. So, so with that said, he's saying, listen, in, in Luke 14, when Luke is writing that, he's saying, look, if you would learn to hate what's wrong with your mother and your father and your sisters and your wife and even in your own heart, Right. You could be my learner. But now the next verse says, but if you're my learner, you have to actually deny yourself. In other words, you were never created to be alone. That's an absolute lie. So when it says deny, it doesn't mean like, I'm not going to have Starbucks for the next four weeks. <laughs> All right. That's, that's called abstaining, right? It doesn't say and abstain from yourself. It says deny yourself. So what does it right. mean to deny yourself? You don't exist the way that you define yourself. You do not exist alone. You were never created to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. The Bible never said that anyone was created to be alone. You're created to be in this community. Right. So until we break the mold of this individualistic Western, I, me, iPad, I, 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 we're not going to understand that, no, 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 you were never created for that. When you're welcomed back home as the prodigal son that went after I, he becomes the we. Now, you're going to have plenty of Christian people that are like, well, he shouldn't be here and everything else. And that's the other brother. And that's a whole <laughs> other question. But ultimately where we are, when we talk about that, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Okay, so picking up your cross, he doesn't say pick up Jesus' cross and tell everybody what Jesus has done. That's not what he says. Now, of course, you're supposed to lift up the Son of God, and when you lift oh, him up, yeah. I'll pull people unto myself. But he says, no, you pick up your cross from your death day, or your birthday, sliding across to your death day, right. a little ball sliding across, always connected to this world as far as vertically from that line down. But then upon salvation, upon hearing the word and the word, doing what it does, mm -hmm. faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word mm -hmm. of Christ, through that messiahship, you finally get to look up with a broken heart, mourning over your condition, becoming humble because you don't deserve anything, hungering and thirsting for this new relationship, pure of heart because nothing else really matters, Right. becoming a peace maker not keeper because the only mm. thing you can really talk about is who he is and what he's done that you don't deserve and people aren't going to like that and the persecution that's going to come next is going to be actually in your own heart as you don't feel worthy or people shoot holes in what you're trying to say and it's it's not only it's not only true because most of it's probably true but the, it's it's the fact that you can't even articulate what god has shown you because god has shown you something that's so much greater than anything you could have fathomed that when we read Paul and Peter and James and John, and they're like, hey, I, I, all I can tell you is in the language that I've got what he has done. And 
when these things take place, you fall in love. And see, love will change the heart where law just makes you hide. And, and, and no mm. longer do I care what man thinks because God is already taking care of that. And mm. I have that defense. But now if I believe that, that's salvation, right? Right. So by yeah. most people's definition, that's salvation. Right. But if I don't then want to serve him and I don't want to live for him and there's not a greater purpose and it's not really about the kingdom of God, and I'm just still doing it for what I think I'm going to get out of it. And you've missed what that love was meant to point to. Now, here's well, the thing. Well, with you're, that. well, you're motivated by fear and not by love. And that could be ignorance or stupidity. So ignorance is not a negative word. Ignorance no. just means you don't know. Stupidity yeah. is, oh, no, no, you, you know. <laughs> I know better. I just don't care. <laughs> and you do your own thing, which is, I mean, so don't yeah. call anybody a fool because you could be brought before the court, which is the counsel of God. And that's a promise that's right there for the believer. So right. don't call anybody stupid that you don't know. Let's let's err on the way of caution and say they're 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 ignorant. They don't know. Yeah, they're just not informed. So we've failed on discipleship. Mm-hmm. I mean— We'll, we'll preach salvation all day, baby. We'll give you a bath. Oh, oh, all day. I mean, you you could be a dirty sinner, but yep. we gave you a bath, and yeah. we'll tell everybody you're saved. Because I mean, hey, <laughs> we're going to add that number to what we did as a church, and we're going to take credit for it. And I mean, even Galatians at the very end in six, it says that. I mean, let me in Galatians six, and I'm going to flip to it. But I mean, it's one of my when we're, we're when we're looking at that subject. Yeah, you don't have the computer. Now it's really starting to now it's really starting to get you. But we can still do it old school, baby. All, All right. right. <laughs> so here in Galatians six, it says this: that uh, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep or look to the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they can boast about it in their flesh. But far be it for me to boast in anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creation and all who walk by this rule peace and mercy will be upon them and upon the israel of uh, upon israel of god all right so ultimately what did he just say he said that church folks would love for you to come and then be able to add their numbers to somebody they gave a bath to but what they're going to brag about is we we baptized 16 people last month yeah right now we don't know any of those names and we have no idea of their heart and we may have really emotionally pulled at their 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 strings we may even encourage them to do like a witch's cantation where you just repeat my prayer for you. Come on and, with it. And then you come in with this, they're saved. And then you're like, oh, I don't know why they don't come to church. Well, because you told them they were already eternally secure. Why would they come to church? Right. It's like, it's like creating a problem and then whining about it. It's like you made it. And that is where people think that salvation, but there's no discipleship and there's no way you can actually fall in love with God without being a learner, without wanting to know more and more about him, without knowing that your life has a purpose. So, yes, I mean, I am slanted towards discipleship because I don't know the word of God, plus the fact that your life matters inside of seek first the kingdom of God and right relationship with him. And everything else in this world will be added unto you versus trying to find everything in this world to make you have right relationship with God and others. But it wasn't about the kingdom and and it's just, it's emptiness. Well, yeah. I mean, like you're hitting all over it. I was, I was basically just about to ask you that, you know, salvation is a regenerated heart by the indwelling of the Holy spirit that would lead into discipleship, which is by definition a learner. And we ironically, we've been talking about the, what is the misconceptions about discipleship in Western Christianity. But I think it's because, once again, we've created this thing of salvation versus discipleship instead of 
really illustrating and hammering home that they are they they lead to each other. They're not something that they're not different from each other. Like really, I mean, they're they're connected. They're inter they're intertwined. It's like a d- addition and subtraction in, in a sense. Because if you learn addition, you can you can know subtraction because it's kind of the same principle. They are different, but they do they do work upon it. They do work with each other. Is what I'm getting at. If you add the two same numbers, you can subtract the two two the, same yeah, numbers, yeah, yeah, and you yeah, end yeah. up with the number you started with. Right. <laughs> and we're back to the truth intention. <laughs> I mean, we're we're back to exactly yeah. what we're trying to do here. We're we're back to the gospel of God says that it's always going to be both and at the floor level, and it's always going to be either or with God because He's sovereign. And now you could either get upset and say that I don't. I don't believe there's one truth, but if you actually look up the word truth, there can only be one truth. Like, yeah, by definition. By definition. Now, that doesn't mean that me and Mick and whoever's listening today doesn't, don't have different interpretations of that truth. God exactly, is, yeah. God's willing to say amen to that. But if Mick has a different view and you get to come in and comment, those are views meant to, in both and, us grow together underneath the umbrella of, he never asked your opinion. He's God. <laughs> and, and, and until you're willing to say, I am not God and he is, Amen. well, that's autonomy. That's, that's not, I mean, that, that is, I am God because there is no God. And that is the reprobate mind. That is the absolute refusal. That is not ignorance. That is stupidity. Um, and, and, and if that's your view, once again, I would love to take your comments, but I promise you, I will eat your lunch because I don't know, God never changes and God's pretty right. consistent. And, I, there's plenty of things that we're going to go over that I wish wasn't that way. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. But, I mean, it, it goes all the way back to the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to make disciples. Why do we as modern-day Christians make more of an emphasis on salvation if we're literally commanded to make disciples, not give people salvation and send them on their merry way and tell them that they're completely and totally secure? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know for, you know, because I did the exact same thing. I was like, I'm saved. I'm good. I got my fire insurance, if you will. But it didn't, it didn't really, it didn't matter until I tried to know more of who God is. When I started to look into who God is and this, you know, his, the, the all the things that his character, if you will, like going into his wisdom, you know, his his power, grace, mercy, the difference between justification and, um, or grace and mercy, like you've asked me before, you know, what's the difference between grace and mercy? And I was like, uh, you know, and a lot of those times, like you can ask people those questions and you're going to get a lot of, a lot of blank stares. Cause a lot of people have just literally been told, repeat this witch's prayer, you're saved and you're good to go. And you don't have to do anything else, but we've seen, we've seen the fruit of that. And the fruit of that is, I don't have to be involved with church. I don't have to I don't have to go to church because I'm good. I'm saved. I know I know God. And they act like that's perfectly fine, but that's not being active in, a, in an active relationship with God. That is literally I know something and I've deceived myself. I mean to me that's what it sounds like in a sense like you're not actually in love with God. You're in love with what he did for you. Like that's basically saying, "Oh man, yeah." Wait, I love me. God loves me. I love that. I love that God loves me because I love me too. Like, no, that's not that's not the point at all. The point is is that when I was saved, I was completely and totally broken before God, and I knew I didn't deserve to be saved. It was his mercy that re, you know, he showed to me and revealed revealed to me 
just truly how lost I was. But I thought I was okay for a really long time because I walked down the aisle in church one time and repeated a prayer for somebody else. I'll uh, I'll never forget. I was in an FCA thing, and they did the invitation for salvation, and I went down there you know, again. Well, later on, we got into small groups with our leaders to talk, and the, and everybody was like, "Well, how many of y'all uh, is that the first time you've ever made a profession of faith?" Or I can't remember how he said it, but I actually raised my hand and said, "No, I'm, I've done that before." And he said, "Oh, I just think you needed to do it again." And I didn't really have a good answer, but I knew internally that I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I didn't really, I don't think I understood the depth of what God had done and made available because I was young. You know, I was, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that, somewhere in that neighborhood. But as I got older, I realized it be- it became very real to me. And in, and in that, I kind of saw where I ranked standing before God. And I was like, I'm screwed. Like I'm, I haven't been doing anything. I don't really love God. I just love what he can do for me. And that's where I would say that's ignorance of youth. And the reason we are in the situation that we're in is because we don't have the wisdom of those that are senior inside of the church because we've gotten so far away from communal life that we don't have anybody standing in front of our youth saying, no, son, stop asking Jesus back into your life, which is a J.D. Greer book. If you want to look at it, it's very, very short. It's probably 80 pages for me, which is 160 pages for Mick because he counts both <laughs> sides of the page. But either way, I mean, so the, the I bottom count line. The flips, yeah, man. whatever. So either way, <laughs> it, the, the bottom line is, is this. It's a very short book to, to, to put in front of you that if I emotionally make you feel like you're doubting your salvation to make you come up front, then make a recommitment to God inside of your emotion. I mean, spoiler alert, feelings lie. Mm. Um, and you can be sincerely wrong. In other words, you were, I knew you, I was right. Well, you've got many examples. No, no, you, you're absolutely wrong. And most of the times when you're feeling horrible is when God is actually showing you the most beautiful things that you'll ever learn. With that said, you take our youth and you put them in front of somebody that they look forward, you know, unto, and they say, Hey, I don't know what to do with my heart and my life. And they they don't have the discipleship. They've been given something back in the past that they've never actually grown into or discipled themselves or pursued. And like Paul, I mean, in other words, like in the scripture, it says, I train my body, even though it only has a little bit of help in godliness, so that I can carry on this witness for the longest period of time to share with as many people behind me what is lacking in the cross. And of course, Paul doesn't mean anything is lacking as far as God's side. He's saying, no, no, I want to take off of you whatever I can Mm. by sacrificing myself for you so that you can sacrifice yourself for your kids and your grandkids. It's that that passing along the gospel. It becomes very, very true and powerful. So when we look at that, and you even said, and I went forward again at FCA. So do I need to be rebaptized? I'm going to tell you right now that there's only one baptism, one spirit, one God, one. All right, so does that mean that I got baptized and I didn't understand and now I'm 35? Should I get rebaptized? How about we just start living inside of the baptism you took when you were 12 that you now understand at 35 because God knew the whole plan, not elementary, you know, oh, at, yeah. at stages. That's good. He knew exactly what you were being baptized into. So either we have faith that the baptism is exactly what you're realizing at 35 
or else you're saying, I need to be rebaptized so that I can put faith in what I did. And you can take a bath at your own house tonight. Now, I mean, anyway, without, without getting too sarcastic there, it, it, it comes back down to. I kind of enjoy it when you get sarcastic. I hope, I hope everyone listening does. We, we're getting back to psychology and we're getting back to what the world says is available inside of. Right. Science and hey, listen, science. I love science. Science proves the way God works. Dude, science, science is cool. It's both and. It's God and science. Science proves God, and God said, "Here's science." I mean, that's just kind of the way that it works. Now, <laughs> with that said, if we have psychology, the study of the mind, and we start to like, hey, what happened to you in childhood? Well, I called someone else my father that wasn't my father. Oh, I think there's a scripture that goes with that. So maybe I should stop. Oh, okay. How about that? So then when I stop calling my earthly father, my father, and then I look to my heavenly father, I can start to understand the struggles of my earthly father to understand why I struggle as an earthly father, that I should be pointing my kids to a heavenly father Mm. that, oh my goodness. How about that? When you put them together, they make sense inside of God's design. Uh, What about my teacher? Well, I mean, when I go to school, no, call no man your teacher because you have one teacher, and that's the Spirit of God. Now, if I take the Spirit of God and I go to a human teacher that teaches me about science, but science teaches me about the way God works, hey, do you know what God has done? Imagine that. My science teacher taught me that. And, and, and so when, when you do that and it becomes real in your life, it's, it's like a lot of the questions that we had before we were saved was us trying to explain away the invitation that we oh, don't deserve. Good. Yeah, that's good. But when, when you lay that down— when you have that broken heart, when you realize that, and so so, you're coming to church and you haven't had that really broken moment and you haven't really fallen all the way, there's two options. You can either not learn by those that are around you or you can keep going. I kept going. And 100%. If, if you keep going, you're going to hit rock bottom because God in his scripture says there's only one God that gives and the rest of the gods will take, take, take. So if you're not going to worship and fall underneath, submit to the one that gives, you're going to be taken from and taken from and taken from until you hit rock bottom. Now, the other option is, and the the beauty of the body of Christ, is you can listen to testimonies. You can listen to the scriptures of testimonies. You can actually learn from your brothers and sisters. I don't have to go all the way to to that extent until I see the truth of it. Now, I was a methamphetamine junkie when God changed me and changed the desire of my heart to where 17, 18 years clean. I don't think about how clean I am or how many years until somebody asked me. That's the only reason I know is because the other day somebody asked me. But (laughs) the bottom line is when he changed me, he changed me from who I was, and I'm thankful. And then that thankfulness becomes my faith. I mean, I am am thankful for for who he is because apart from him i know who i am and there has right. to be that transition even if you don't re- meet rock bottom you better understand it or else you're propping yourself up on something that god will have to remove at some point because you've got this false security you've got this false thing that you're you're propping yourself up on and trust me throughout scripture says don't think higher than you sell of yourself than you ought because i'm gonna take your legs out from underneath you so then people have their legs taken out like where was god on that well i mean i think right here he told me that i was he was gonna do that and you're like well what kind of god does that well kind of the one right here the god of the bible the, the god that's god said that i can't in love 
Well, it's, it's like we were talking about earlier. I said there's a huge difference. I said if, if it's the both and, you're putting things in tension, all right, well, let's put it in tension. If you come to God and you're you're completely knocked down, you come in in, in, in you know, meekness, brokenness, mm-hmm. all of those things, you're coming with a broken heart to God, and he reaches down, and by, by grace and by mercy, he's merciful to you, and he gives you that grace, and he, you, which is returning to God, which is what, you know, um, the word escapes me right now for some reason. I have no idea why returning to repent. Yeah, repentance is, is turning back to God. Why do you not think for one second that the other side of the coin is you standing on your pride? And why do you think that God won't meet you there and, and knock your legs out from underneath you and show you that everything that you thought you knew, you were thinking you were putting yourself on a pedestal and guess what? Uh, You're mine. I'm not going to let you do that because I'm the one who is... I'm the one who's exalted. I'm I'm the one who teaches. I am the one who provides. I am the one who does those things. And when you're thinking too highly of yourself, you're you're doom. You're setting yourself up to, for for God to take His authority back. Show you His authority is what I should say. I guess is is the way to show you He's in control and not you, not your understanding, not any of those things. But in that same way, it still leads back to the same thing. It's still turning back to God. And God, God, either God is God or He's not. But for us, it's the both end. And once again, in the both end, I will even quote. It's kind of ironic, don't you think? But <laughs> I will quote John Calvin, which is kind of like people set them up as Neo against both end. But John Calvin's first institute in the religion of institute right. says that to know God, you have to know yourself, and to know yourself, you have to know God. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's your tension between God and self. But when we hear words, and you're going to continue to hear me as long as you're willing to listen, that words matter. Words so, matter. So when we when we hear repentance, you either hear a, oh, man, I got to go up front whenever he stops talking. <laughs> I don't want to go, God. I guess I will. <laughs> right? Okay, so that's duty and fear and doubt. and right. Okay, or I cannot believe I get to go repent. All right, so if if God moves you in front of others as a witness to see you move inside of a repentance that calls for that kind of, let me tell you about what God has done, the repentance is for his praise, not for your penance. Mm. All right, so there is no penance only because of Christ paying for the penal substitution. Yeah. And that's a whole other podcast, but without the (laughs) penal substitution of Christ, we can't have that confidence. But in the penal substitution of Christ for the holiness of his father, not hatred, not against, but because of who he is, he's made a way. And that is the truth. And now you've been filled with the life to where you can actually enter the door of being in the presence of God, the father in his divine counsel and the rest of the life that you've got here. And you hear someone expound on the word of God and it challenges your heart to where you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot sit here. Let me tell everybody about what he just showed me. I cannot wait to go do something different tomorrow. That's repentance. Repentance is for you, not against you. Yeah. If if you love me, you'll obey me. Over in uh, John 15, 10, I think it is, and I'd have to go, but I'm pretty sure it is. But either way, it, before I understood it on the right side, and you have to start where you are. So there's nothing wrong with the way I originally understood it, but it had to be caught and then gotten over that I'm going to show them tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to show God how much I love them. I failed today, but I'm not going to fail tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a liar. Because all I'm going to do is I'm going to fail them the next day. But eventually, through my failures and his faithfulness, I realized, no, 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 the scripture is saying it's about God, not about me and my abilities. 
And it says, if you would fall in love with me, you would find yourself looking and keeping my, my, my commandments. Not, oh, there's this weight. Right. I think he even says, when you're done with the weight, I'll take it off of you because of who I am. Right. But then you'll love me enough to do it for me and not for yourself. Well, yeah, John fifteen ten is, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, that, then. that by my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That was 15, 10, and 11. You said it's above that? I will find it. Okay, so it's 14, 15. Okay. I knew it was 15. But yeah, 14, 15. Okay. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask my Father, and he will give you another helper, paraclete, Holy Spirit, that will be with you forever. But ultimately, if you fall in love with me, you'll start to, and that word keep is not the same word as do. They're two different Coney Greek words. It means look look unto, right? Guard, look unto. It's a nautical term. Like when they were on the Sea of Galilee, they would keep the North Star. They would would look unto it, and it would guide them. Right. So if you love me, you would look unto my commandments. And that's not suggestions. That's not, hey, this is good, you know, psychology. It's uh, either God's God or he's not, either or. Well, and I know this is like a side sidebar question, but, I mean, back in the day, it was well known that preachers were theologians. I mean, they were pretty much, they were theologians, way more than they are now. Don't you think that that's, once again, going back to the whole learner thing, the salvation versus disciple, which is a learner, if you were learning, you would be able to go back to the scriptures and read and look inside of the the Greek word, the meaning of the word, and see that it's not a do keep, it's a look unto keep, almost as a, um, it's a marker to keep, to keep referring back to. So when you start to slip, you know, drift away, it's sort of like coloring. You know, when you're a toddler, you just, just color all over the paper because the thing's white and yet it's got these black lines on it, but I don't really care. And then as you get older, you learn, well, if I keep the blue right here, and if I put the red over here and just this per- this part right here, but by the end of it, the picture is, I mean, you could make a beautiful picture doing that. Not saying that other pictures aren't beautiful. My daughter does it all the time. But I do love to see, and there's a satisfaction in knowing with my guidance and going to her and saying, no, 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 stay inside the lines. You know, do this here, do this here. And then now it's turned into a thing that she can be like, oh, look what my, you know, my dad taught me. Now the picture looks even, even better. But it all goes back to it all it goes it goes back to that learning and and growing. It's not just that. Well, I know how to I know how to take the crayon and put it all over the paper. It turns into look look what I look at what I've been able to do through learning. All right, so I'm going to agree and eat your lunch at the same time. Yeah, I kind of wandered off there. No, no, no. Uh, all right, so. Just so everybody knows, he does this quite often, and I'll tell you right now, I do not despise it. It's actually, it's actually cool. At least, at least someone does eat it. And and the big thing is, is I do this every night with God inside of. I'm old, and I I try to be pretty physical, so I usually take a hot bath and pray <laughs> for God to show me how I looked that day. And not one day has He ever said, "Man, you rocked it." He always shows me exactly <laughs> where I failed. So I'm I'm sharing the same relationship that I hold myself to. Right. All right. We're going to work our way backwards and you'll hear this a lot from me also. If it's true forward, it's just as true true backwards. backwards, If we look at the scripture. All right. So backwards, you said my daughter can look at this finished product and I can make it beautiful. And it's because my daughter loves me and I love my daughter. And inside of a love relationship, we can take a lot of things and smudge the edges and make it this 
amazing picture that maybe it wasn't originally, but in right relationship, we can do amazing things with it. But at the very beginning, you had said, was it preachers or pastors or, or were theologians? Correct. All right. So it so preachers are those who get to stand on the word of God. Pastors are those that have to hate people. I mean, have to have to love people even when they hate them. Mm, there you go. All right. So so it, pastoring is it doesn't matter what you think anymore. You've taken enough steps. You've gone through preaching. You've gone through what I've done for you. Now you're going to have to unconditionally love others. And if anybody gets blamed, it's already you. Mm. And and that's fine. And and, and ultimately, with, with that said, it's probably my fault at some point. Anyway, <laughs> but inside of that theologian, words matter. Right. Theologian, theo meaning God, logian studier of ology being the study of a theologian is one that studies God. So if you're listening to this, you just graduated to theologian. You are now. Hey, a theologian, you are... Congratulations. You are yeah, congratulations. You're not a pastor or preacher yet, so it's not your fault. Hey. But... One day it can be. It may be, <laughs> because the more you learn about God, the more he's going to invite you to be like him, and yeah. he says that I reign on the just and the unjust, that I continue to love those that are unlovely, so that when I break their heart, they become something you could have never seen or imagined, because that's I who I am and what I do, and... When when that then when that becomes true, that's a whole no, you know there's time and process and but a theologian don't make that some high Christianese word that's out there. If 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 you're learning and 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 wanting to know that desire was not yours, God placed it there, and you are now a theologian. Now what you do with that study of God gets into do you know him as a God that loves you, that's for you, that is leading you to make you into a mosaic to where whatever lines you bring into the situation, he can move them around and make these beautiful things. I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but when I was a little kid, they used to send these little things in magazines or whatever, and it was an art school, and it had like this little turtle mm -hmm. head, and you were supposed to draw it and then send it in, and if you were artist enough or good enough, they would contact you. And I, no. I mean, I, dude, I would draw them things and I would send them in. And my dad was like, finally, like I, once again, I did this multiple times through my mom. And then my dad like caught on one time or saw me doing, he's like, son, you know, that's just a money making ripoff thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they run your name and your parents' name. And if they got enough money, then they'll send to you like, you're the winner. You get to go to art school. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. So God has never done that. He wants you to give your best effort and he's a he, he's he's the one that does the things that you know you were created to see that you never see hmm. and he's the one that has made the promises that you've never seen fulfilled he's the one that grown men get excited when a ball made out of pig skin goes across a chalk line I mean, unless you're a Florida fan, because they don't really get across the touchdown oh. line too often. But, you know, hey, I'm just saying. Either way, I mean, so the things that make the women cry during life, what is it? What is the, the TV show? Lifetime. Lifetime. Yeah. I was going to say Lifeway, and I knew that was wrong. But, yeah, Lifetime. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that men can't get into Lifetime, because I'm guilty. Not often, yeah, but guilty. It's got me a couple times. And there are women that will actually watch a football game and get excited, and if so, get married. Heck yeah. Um, but either way, it, it uh, there are things that we are created for that we know that we don't know. And right. God has said, I will, I will make those things clear. Wow. I, 
I will make those things available. I can't say clear. Mm. I will make those things available, but you're going to have to fall in love with my way, with me being the arbiter of truth, mm. with the gift of life, not that you are entitled to it, to where you can stop working for it, to where you get to be thankful and content. And now if you take those words and you, I mean, once again, you can rewind or whatever, there's not many people working backwards that are content and thankful. Mm. That's true. So the reason we're not content and thankful is we don't have the life of God and we think we're very limited and we have to get it all now to where we're not living eternally. Mm. If we're talking about what's wrong with you and we're looking at what's wrong with you for eternity versus what's wrong with you for the next 80 years, those are two different conversations. Very true. Um, so, I mean, I, there's literally scripture that I, w- I would have to go back and pull my notes, but I know exactly who had the conversation with me and I know exactly the, the dynamics of it. And I would have to go back and make sure that I cleaned it up. That way I didn't, you know, put anyone in, in the mix. It's not supposed to be there, but ultimately imagine you get a phone call while you're at work that somebody just tried to shoot their spouse and they're on the way to your job. To talk to you. What? Not, not the one that was going to get shot, but the one that has the gun. Oh yeah. yeah I'm so excited. But that morning in your quiet time, God gave you a certain verse. <laughs> um, and then through a very, very real life experience, that person show up and be able to say, okay, are we talking about what we need to handle to make this go away? Are we talking about what we need to handle for you to be eternally who God created you to be? Because they're two different questions. If you're yeah. asking me to manage your life and make things better, that's, that, that, that is one conversation that has certain answers, but they're short-sighted and they're only going to pay off today. And that's the difference in psychology or that's the difference in, in, in just one of those schools. Psychology is a study of the mind, right? but you have to have the study of the flesh, the body, the bio, right. yeah. biology, psychology, and then zoology, you know, the study of spirit. And when you put them together, great, you've got a great mind, but it was only meant to be transformed by the renewal of it so that you mm-hmm. no longer have to stay underneath the patterns of this world. If you're just wanting me to teach you new patterns, it may make it better today, but you know good and well it's not going to lead to where it was it was meant to lead. And that's that ought to. That's that that's that God element. I mean, once again, he he created us to think, he's given us a mind, but at some point it becomes faith. There's going to have to be some trust and hey, we're all people of faith. Right. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to trust God instead of this world, and that's what life is for. Well, even, I mean, even your own abilities, though. I mean, your own, you, a lot of people, you know, they say, well, I don't have faith. And I was like, dude, you drove in your car and you thought it was going to stop. So you had faith in your brakes. I don't like, just let, let's be frank. I mean, if we're talking about the words and words matter and all that stuff, but there's plen- been plenty of times where people, in their understanding, they have, they have faith that they got it figured out and what they know to be true. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, but have you ever sat down and have a conversation with someone and they tell you about their interpretation of their experience, you may find out that what you thought to be as fact may not actually be, may may not actually be fact. Like we could, you could grow and learn and understanding, but you have to get inside of that community. If it's all the same people saying the same thing all the time you're not ever really learning you're just learning how to be a part of an echo chamber and that gets back to sacrifice so in other words jesus came to die he he was born to die and correct 
you're now a theologian, so are you. Oh. All, right, all right. So with that said, if you were born to die according to the image of Christ, then you're going to be born to die to be judged either off of what God has done or what you chose to do on your own. All right. And, and, and that's not like a threat statement. That's just kind of just a, a, a blanket statement of the, the, the juxtaposed kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. All right. But inside of that, some people say, Hey man, I had this great thought and I don't know if it's the Holy spirit that told it to me, or whether it's just me. And if you're a believer, I mean, you got to, you, you, you should understand that question. And, and the only thing I can tell you is this, if you want to do it, it's probably you. <laughs> right, and I'm not saying it's always you. I'm just saying, like on well, like most of the time, yeah, ninety eight percent. It's probably you, yeah. because God is usually through the Holy Spirit and the whisper of God going to lay on your heart something you don't want to do that you argue with that then you have to do even though you don't want to do it because you're actually being obedient and sacrificing yourself for I don't know God and others the right. greatest commandment and the second that's like it. So really, you start to listen for the things that God lays on your heart that you don't, you would never, it's not even that you don't want to do it, it's just you never would have thought of that. <laughs> or you, that, that did not come from me, I know that came from God. And, and I mean, if you just got sensitive to that, it would be amazing how many things God lays on your heart that you have an inkling, you don't know how to do it. So you say, I'll do what I know how to do, and he'll fill in the gaps. And, and hey, it may look bad, you may fail. But inside the failure, you'll know how to do it differently next time. It, it becomes a living testament to the relationship that you have with God. But a, a people of faith, that's fine. You can you can have faith, but you're going to have to have faith that moves you outside of yourself. You're going to have to have faith that is allowing you to read things that you disagree with so that you can mm. have a conversation in your yeah. own heart and mind with the God that said, I'll sustain you. And that's either or, that's true or not. Right. Um, you should not be scared of other people's views. You should not be scared to be around people that are different than you. I mean, I'm not going to rub up on a homosexual and be like, hey, I like dudes now. That's not how it works. And, and, and yeah. once again, I, I say that while I have plenty of homosexual friends and have had many. I'm not just saying that to just say that like, oh, right. I don't even know. What I'm saying is they would say the same thing. You know, I, right. I could rub on a woman. It doesn't make me like a woman. Yeah. And what I'm saying is it doesn't work that way. You, you, you need to learn that you are a learner, and you are learning from someone. Um, yeah. The question is, are you learning from the world, the flesh, and the devil, or are you learning from God, the Spirit, and the kingdom? And, and, and those, that's, it's, it, it really boils back down to the kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. It's one or the other. It's, it's not as easy as you think playing the gray. Yeah, I mean, and I I agree too. I I think that it's it's so much more different than we actually want to assume. I know because there's a lot of there's plenty of times in my life when God's kind of been bringing it to to mind recently, where somebody goes, "Hey, did you know so and so and so and so and so?" That I'm like, "Yeah," and then I kind of walk away from that conversation, and I'm like, "I actually didn't know that." <laughs> but I mean, but you find yourself so quickly to agree, you know, and I think it's from the, from the fear of being like, maybe you didn't know that you idiot, you know, and it's one of those things I think, but also at the same time too, in that stepping out and in that doing things, I would like to encourage everyone listening and it's, you know, encouragement for myself as well that you've told me countless times, the only way to get better at things that you're not good at is to do them and to fail at doing them and then learning from your failures and then growing into it. And the more that you do it, the better you'll get at it. I, and, and automatically being 
being a guitar player and learning instruments and stuff like that, I was awful when I first picked up the instrument. And there are times when I was practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing, and I don't think that I'm getting any better at doing it. I run into my friends, and my friend goes, man, you've gotten way better at that, dude. I'm like, no, I haven't, because don't, you don't see the progress that you're actually making when you're doing it all the time. You don't notice the incremental steps that you're taking at getting better at some things. So it may not seem like you're getting better, but at the same time, you know, have a conversation with someone, talk to them. If they eat your lunch, they eat your lunch. Go back, learn, study, grow, continue to do it. Then go back again and have the conversation. Start asking different questions. Learn how to articulate things better. And then watch them kind of sit back and go, a little bit more prepared than you were last time, huh? You know, because I've, I mean, I've had that happen to me too, plenty of times. Gone, gone back and, and I said, well, what have you ever thought about, you know, X, Y, or Z? And then they're sort of kind of dumbfounded that you even come from that angle. But the only reason that I was able to come from that angle was because I was talking to you last time and you kind of blindsided me with your position. But not being afraid of that, taking that to God, asking, how can I learn? How can I use this to, impart your wisdom from your word and help and help help encourage others and also challenge others in what they believe because we need to be growing and we don't want to become complacent and saying you know I said a prayer I'm good because that I mean that's that's honestly the fruit of it the fruit of it is, is that when when you don't have the elders coming to you and giving you guidance and all those things you begin to think I'm good I don't need to, I don't need to do anything and if you look at the the women of the church, they're literally instructed to, the the elder women are, are instructed to teach the younger women on how to keep the home better, you know, raise the children and all of those things. It shouldn't, we should never look at it from a stance of, haha, got you. Because that's not, that's not the intention, that's not the point in any of this. It's to grow and become better. Iron sharpens iron. And in God's standard, we're always going to fail. So even when you take the women that are elderly that should be pouring into the young women, the reason that they're not available to pour into the young women is because they're having to teach everybody because the men of the church aren't there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, most, most men have been taught in the American culture, have been taught at school, church, and in their home by their female um, heroes or their, you know, their, their female people they get to look, their female teachers, um, that, that no matter where you go inside the standard of God's word, it's going to show you where you're not, which is a warning mm. of what you should be. But it's also going to encourage you that it doesn't take God by surprise and that if you would just return, repent, he would use you in the role to which you're not able to do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And well, or not, haven't been doing, not able to do. Well, so like, and then moving forward, I was reading in this and I, I, realize, I realized that later when someone pointed it out to me about the story of Peter and him denying Christ, um, that Peter denies Christ by a charcoal fire, and then he's restored by one. And I also looked into, um, I, w- I wouldn't know, I guess it's probably anatomy in the sense because the way the, the body works and all the things, but the sense of smell is one of the strongest things that sp- spurs on the, the memory. So I thought it was super, that was kind of like a cool dynamic there that he has his experiences, his biggest failure after saying that he wouldn't deny Jesus. And Jesus looking at him and saying, oh, no, you're going to do it. And then he does it, but then he restores him by the same scent that he denied him. But my question was, with Peter uh, denying being a disciple of Jesus, but we know that Peter is restored by Jesus after his resurrection, 
does that mean that Peter lost his salvation before he was restored by Christ? All right, so the number one answer to that is it's the same as suicide. So, once again, to take that, that's like a superficial question. Uh, Not superficial. That's a surface-level question that actually addresses something very, very deep in the core of the gospel. That's why I asked it. I love it, man. So if you think you can lose your salvation by something you do, then what you do is what you have faith in the gospel. Oh, that's good. So if someone dies of suicide because of the heartache that we can't even fathom, but yet they've had a relationship with God, either God saved them or he didn't, and he's known their name since before the foundation of the earth. So according to the scripture, there's God knows Deuteronomy 29, 29. God knows everything, and there's these secret things that you don't get to know because it doesn't really matter to you because you're not the judge or God. Mm-hmm. To where when someone does slip into suicide, you go to their funeral in pure hope and faith that God understands in a yeah. way that you don't. Absolutely. Um, it allows you to have a parent that never shows you evidence, but it's not up to you to see the evidence because God knows all the things you don't know. It, it, right. it, it frees you from a lot of things that doesn't really need your uh, attention because what needs your attention is your messed upness, not theirs. <laughs> Um, so with that said, though, I have perfect faith in what God the Father has made available through the perfect work of his Son that is purely by grace that then allows me to enter into the door of assurance mm. to where I am free to then start to run my race for better or worse, richer or poor, sickness and health, till death do I part, and he doesn't die. As his bride, I get to actually have confidence in his word, which his word is, I will never fail you, and no matter what happens, I will be your God. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. So, with that said, I, I don't think Peter understood that because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given at that point, and there's that, there's that whole That's understanding true. there. So, I mean, we have, to, we have to move around that. However, when the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance all the things that I've taught you unto Peter, as far as we read it, can't really even do that though because at the end of john it says that he breathed on them and they received the holy spirit so even inside of that all i can say is i believe they 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 received something that was fully consummated in the finished work of pentecost but they had something very special in between also and that's another podcast for another time all right so ultimately today it doesn't really matter because you're either born and regenerate inside of the power and the work of the holy spirit to where you're absolutely eternally secure to where no matter what you do from that point, you're in the door. Now, being in the door has nothing to do with the light beating or heavy beating you might get when you open, when, when, when you go into the next world, because mm. what you do and say matters. Yeah, absolutely. So as you continue to live this life, you live it knowing that you now have purpose, you now can make a difference in the finished work of God. What he did was for your life, and your life is for what he did to where... If I'm in you and you're in me so that you can be in him means that I'm in David's work. And the only reason King David lived was to allow me to live the life that I live now. But the only reason me and David lived was to to make the life of Christ known purely for the life of the Father. And it becomes community and not just one story to where you can have elements that, hey, you're failing in. But all you got to do is really sit and think of all the other ones that are alive. And then you become thankful for the things you don't deserve. And it offsets the things that you struggle with where oh, yeah. you can be honest with your struggle, but thankful for your victories. 
victories belong to God, struggles belong to me, and I can take ownership because of who he is and what he has said without the fear of being separated because of what I do or say or think. Because if that's true, I can trick you into getting in, but you're going to trick yourself back out. (laughs) At the end of the day, there's many times that I've questioned the things that I've read and not seen what I thought, like you were saying before, nobody. But then I, then I have the Holy Spirit saying, but wait a minute, don't you remember this and that? And then I'm in an argument with myself in a dark room. And that is me and something that is in me that's not in everybody. It's something that I'm having an argument with that is in me that I used to not have in me Hmm. to where that is just as much evidence in the experience as me reading the word of God, because the word of God is the swords that have been laid up for that conversation. Don't get me wrong. I don't I don't sit in the silence and have these conversations without understanding the scripture and then be being. The, the the basis or the foundation, but ultimately sometimes it's in the it's in a dark storm where you don't feel worthy and it doesn't really matter what you've read and yeah. it, it it seems so far away, but then then there's that but dude, just last six months, such and such, and don't you remember when he showed up at in this and, and they're the memories and, and, and ultimately at the end of your life, everything's about memories. I mean That's it really true. doesn't matter. I mean I, I don't I've got a book of questions that I do on road trips that everybody can't stand, but I bring them anyway because <laughs> once they know I've got them, I'm, oh, I'm bringing them then. But one of the questions in there is like, if you could take a vacation for six months, anywhere, paid expense, do anything you want, but you couldn't remember it, would you want to go? No. There's no right or wrong answer. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I think no because, like, I remember... And it's so funny that you actually bring that up because, like, lately I've been thinking about so many different things. And it's been a lot of things from, like, my past to my childhood. Like, I remember, like, one of the one of the things was is a song came on the radio the other day. And they're starting to play all the all the music I heard as a kid. You know, and that's that's classic now. And uh, Metallica was on the classic station. The other day. Oh, my, my oldest daughter called me and like, you're old. I'm like, why? <laughs> She's like, inner Sam. It was just on the old people station. <laughs> I guess I'm old. Yeah, I mean, so it's happening to, to everybody, but it was so cool how it happened. I listened to the song, and I'm immediately back in that Mazda van with my mom, going down the road, her just singing at the top of her lungs. Later, to come to find out, she was really frustrated, and that was like her I'm mad song. Um, but I still have this like fond memory, you know. and then there's other memories of us singing songs together, going down the road and stuff like that, and I realized, and I'm starting to realize now that, like, the life your life being a bunch of these moments all together they mean they mean nothing without without the memory of them like going to colorado with my dad i'll never forget now awesome to actually ski on real snow and not artificial snow it's like super cool to go to the top of the mountain come all the way down but i took this little side trail cuz i i basically just went to the top and just started going the different ways down not i didn't do no double black diamond or anything like that they had a blue whatever i was waiting on that yeah i didn't do any of that uh they had a little blue path but it took you all the way around so i took this little side side road and i there's this little coffee shop on the side of the mountain right there and i will never forget just sitting there looking at the colorado rockies and just absolutely floored at what i was looking at and yeah, I did a bunch of cool things. I rode on a plane with a guy who was like in the X Games and stuff like that. But does it mean anything if I don't remember it? Like it, it, and I just, it was cool to be in one of those moments where you felt so small, but at the same time, because like, you hear about them, you learn about the Rockies and all that good stuff. But then to sit there and actually look at it and just be and just marvel at creation. 
And I'm so thankful that God lets me remember that, remember that moment. And yeah, there's a picture, but dude, the picture doesn't do it justice at all with the, the clouds, like right over with the mountains and the snow. And it was just, dude, it was absolutely beautiful, but it is, it is, I no, I, I don't think I would go on a vacation with everything paid for if I couldn't remember it. Good news is <laughs> there's, there's no right or wrong answer. No, there is no right or wrong answer. And I would actually like in the car while I'm irritating everybody with my questions, <laughs> I would probably go your way also. And if I can't remember, it doesn't matter. And, yeah. Right. But if everybody went the other way, I might be devil's advocate. Just make up something just to be the odd <laughs> like, guy. Yeah, might go. <laughs> but Deuteronomy 8, 3, I mean, I'm just being honest. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says this, and you shall remember the whole way that your Lord, your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you and test you to know what's in your heart, whether or not you would keep, look unto his commandments or not, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you manna. And and I'll stop there because the ultimate picture that I have in my head off of this word is, you shall remember the whole way. Hmm. All right, so there's going to come a time that everyone is going to stand before the white throne of God. That's right. And what he's going to do is he's going to turn you around on every memory, every word, every deed, the whole way that either Yahweh, the one true God, through what Jesus Christ has done, allows you to see it in right relationship, how he humbled you because it wasn't about him but about his son, and test you to know what's in your own heart, which is, I know that I'm not what I want to be. That's good. Because I've been fed the bread of life. Does rat, you know, the, the high priest rod and the Ten Commandments filled by him. Or, or the other option is, is once again, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Or, I am going to be turned at the white throne judgment and see the whole way that Yahweh the Father, the one true God, has not led me because I would not humble myself and wanted to do it my way never knowing what was in my heart because I would not listen or lay it down because I did not receive the bread of life or the high priest staff. And, and, and ultimately, right there, Deuteronomy 8.3 is one of my power verses, especially when it comes to memories, because even though I and my finite main, my, mind, my mind can't remember, and trust me, it gets worse as you get older. I can. Inner yeah. Sandman is on the old people. Page. Okay, but either way, when, when I got a little notepad, I try and write down what I can. However, God's memory is perfect. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're not wrong. And we got all eternity. Right. So I kind of like picture like getting there and then it'd be like direct pause. Let's watch Eric's whole life and everything he's ever hidden. <laughs> oh, no. All right. And now here's the thing. So like in my individualistic Western mind, and I'm going to be honest right here, there's a scripture that says there's nothing done in secret. Everything will be proclaimed from the rooftop. Yeah. Okay? And I'm like, okay, but then Mick has to go. <laughs> And then there's like an infinite number of people that are certainly worse than me, right, God? That's I.E. religion. And, and, you know, I mean, four people after me, nobody's going to remember my garbage because there's so much garbage. I think like sheer panic would set in then. Right. But if you actually, when you study their culture, that is not what they heard. Really? Honor, shame, culture, all about their family name. When they hear God is going to let your family and their honor be told it mm. petrified them in a way that I hope that it learned uh, that I learned for it to petrify me for God's name because it's not about me it's about him and when he turns me around on my memory 
alcohol, there's a lot of messed up junk in the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah. there's, so there's going to be plenty of entertainment for everyone until hopefully it gets to the but God part. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, he was still the knuckleheaded mess up that he was, but then I allowed him to do this and I allowed him to do that. And the next thing you know, every day I wake up, I mean, I, I wake up in a life that I don't deserve and I never oh, would man. have guessed or chosen. Um, and you know, everybody can talk about, oh, what, what about miracles? I'm a living miracle. And Amen. That's, that, that in, in itself is, is enough. Absolutely. Well, so, and then bringing this full circle and like coming to a close, cause we do have to go to church. Yeah, we do have to go to church, but we're, we're, we're doing as much as we can, man, trying to get this stuff out. And back, but, back to the Lordship. Yeah. I mean, back to the, back to the Lordship, the, the, I just want people to be encouraged that they shouldn't necessarily be afraid. God's not afraid of your questions. God's not. God knows exactly where you're at. And the only person that you're hurting by not being honest is yourself. I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. And I would encourage those that are elders inside of their church to find someone that is not your son or your son's friends and pour into them. I mean, this is this is moving forward. I always thought that the you know what people are going to hear and what they need to hear is hey you know build a relationship talk to these people but really what they're going to respond to is hey I've done that before and I know where that goes and I don't want you to walk down that path I mean this is what discipleship is discipleship is there's a better way you don't we don't have to make the same mistakes because we're we're in this together we're not this is not just about you this is about this is about the kingdom. This is about God. This isn't just about us as individuals and being saved and going to heaven and that being the end of it. We're here to make a difference now, and we're here to help and to spur and challenge challenge other people into, into real growth and not just complacency because we are supposed to. I mean, if we were doing what we were called to do, we would be making an actual difference in the world, and the world would see it, and we would be that. But we would be that light that's not a that's not a lamp, but we would be put on the hill like like Jesus says. So once again, even inside of the word Islam, the the root word actually means submission, total surrender, total surrender to the will of God. Right. So not like bringing Islam into a, a Christian conversation without multiple podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I was about to say. However, they believe in monotheism. One right. true God, mm-hmm. mono, one, theos being God, ism being the way that you approach it. All right, so school of, all right, so monotheism. Um, we happen to be monotheistic. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we should have surrendered to who God is at some point. Mm-hmm. Now, to surrender to who he is means that we really need to do some homework over what we really believe about God. Because when we talk about God, are we talking about a God that only comes every now and then, and he's really not here, and mm-hmm. he's not... He doesn't know everything that you already do and you get to hide in your closet and he doesn't know about this habit or, right. Or is he God? And (laughs) he actually knows all that already to where, when you're talking about Lordship, it's not like, Oh, now I have to No, He already knows. He knows, he knows everything. It's not like now I hide that from him. Now I can't do such and such. Like you weren't supposed to be doing that already. If that's the first thing you think of now, Lordship gets to be where you submit to the truth that he is all-knowing, but yet he loves you enough 
for you to be honest. Amen. All right, and then you got Jesus saying, "Hey, just don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. Don't don't lay up things for other people to do that you're not holding yourself to." And it's not even like you're going to do it and do it right. It's just like you're supposed to do it because of who He is and who He's allowed you to be. And it's a gift of giving back. So you don't have to do anything. You get to do everything, and then your your life ends up being this miracle of returning a gift that you didn't deserve that motivated you to never forget and always remember. Or you can live for yourself, be eat up with grief, never live up to what you thought you were entitled to, be miserable all the way to the root, be used by this world, knowing that death is coming, but you can binge the next next flick or whatever it is that we entertain ourselves with instead of knowing there are people that are hurting around us and we have talents that other people don't, that we have the ability to share with others. And he just wants you to share with others what he's given you that you didn't deserve. And I mean, those, those are the two options. Yeah. So I think overall it was a wonderful discussion and I, I hope that everybody listening has been, um, encouraged and, and challenged in some degree, but, I do think that there is a there's a great need for us to really step into discipleship and not just making the emphasis on salvation because yes I'm not saying not diminishing salvation by any means whatsoever but almost in a sense calling the church to step up and and really pour into the young because if we don't if we're not pouring into the generation behind us there's not going to be anything so I have memories of my grandparents and memories of my father and my mother still live. Right. But she won't be for long. Right. And neither will I. Mm. So when I think of my grandparents and they're not here, my father, I can remember watching a movie with my dad when I was five, six years old, seven years old, but that's gone. So the, watching the movie didn't matter, but the memory of getting to watch it with my dad did. So if love never ends, and it's really about the relationships of remembering what people did that had significance, stop wasting your life on things that don't matter. Mm. Because we live in a culture, and if, if, once again, if you're, if you're listening inside of America, one of the most blessed places on earth, no matter how yeah. much you want to live in fear, worry about politics, ultimately right now until the time that you're, I mean, until the time it is not, you have the ability to pay attention to what you choose to pay attention to. So you don't get to blame anybody else. Right. We have to take, we have to take accountability because like you said, one day we, we are going to be held accountable and everything that we've done and, and everything that we've, that we've said, I mean, we're going to answer for it. And I'm, I think it's, it's more important for us to, to, live inside of that instead of running away from it. It's not because the only thing that you're, especially in an age right now where entitlement is a real big issue, especially inside of America, you know, there's a lot of people who think that they deserve the best and absolutely no struggle at all whatsoever. Inside of discipleship and my journey into it and discovering what it actually means to be a disciple and what all that entails is just a road of where I've fallen short. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's basically what it is. But when I look at it, 
now I can look at it with a grateful heart and not with a, oh no, he's going to come for me. It's a, I get to do better tomorrow. I, I, I get to have that conversation differently. I get to learn something and I'm not just sitting back and crossing my arms and waiting for it to be 12 so I can go get something to eat. It's, what do I, what do, what, what, what do I need to, what, what's the next step now, God? What, where do I need to go so I can grow and I can actually make a diff, get to make a difference, be a part of the difference, not just checking the box, but actually living it out where I'm not just reading, reading scripture and going, oh, well, that's real nice. I'm glad that that's there. It's a, like, like, like Jesus said, we read the Bible and see our lives lining up with scripture, not just, reading scripture which that making it the living word of god is this we are the only creatures that were created to know and be known by god Mm -hmm. so when we take genesis and we talk about the numbers of years of when it was originally written it's not a science book it's a book of when we had the ability to write and communicate about who god is from that point forward there's not another animal on the earth that works for fake money <laughs> or for a future that we believe is going to happen. Every other animal gets up. They work hard to build a nest and provide for their family mm-hmm. and live the life that God gave them without all the politics. Yeah. So that means that a life moving away from politics and returning to protection and provision of your family for the purpose of knowing God is available to every one of us. And that's what the word of God is to remind us and to invite us back into because Jesus was against religion. Jesus was saying the government was snuffing you out. And when you combine religion and government, it gets even worse. And that's what's coming next. And that's, they were talking about the Roman Empire, but either way, I mean, there is a returning that is available that says, the simplicity of loving God and living well, working hard and laughing is available now and for eternity. Amen. Well, brother, as usual, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I look forward to doing this again. And uh, we hope that everyone listening really enjoyed it and was blessed by it. Please share. We have all kinds of different things in the works. We're working on a Patreon. We're working on... Uh, we're actually set up some stuff today so we'd be able to uh, take donations if you feel led to donate to the ministry and all those things and uh, have lots of other things in the works. We're super excited to um, start setting up and we've been talking a lot about the teaching series that we're going to do and hopefully we're going to make a move into the video side of it where uh, we get out the whiteboard and everybody can see the illustrations that Brother Eric has to be thrown out there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be super cool and we're... Uh, we're super blessed to be a part of it, and uh, we really hope that y'all want to join and partner with us inside of that. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for thank you for being here, Brother Eric. And um, yeah, well, we we love y'all. Take care. Say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time.